one of the good things about him is that he comes in there like being like, I'm gonna get my revenge. But really quickly he gets derailed from that. He's like he's learning? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a book in person form? Let me read you. <laughs> like, you know, he, That's so cute. Tell me a story. Hello and welcome to our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 22-year-old actor and filmmaker from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. The time zone I live in is called MST, which stands for Mountain Standard Time. And my name is Brittany Ray, and I'm a 27-year-old writer in Vancouver, BC. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. The time zone I'm in is HST, which I'm pretty sure is Hawaiian Standard Time. And we are so excited to introduce our guest for this episode, Selena! Yay! 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 It's me! (laughs) Hi, guys! intro it's me that's it (laughs) that's the whole thing tell us um about you okay my name is selena i am a 27 as well year old writer i live in copenhagen denmark and uh, i am on twitter at selena wilkin i am a journalist with a degree <laughs> Just in case that needed to be said. And uh, I write for hypable.com, which is H Y P A B L E.com, and I run our flagship entertainment podcast, Hype. And uh, if you're listening, you may know me from the 100 fandom, where I am fairly active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, what else? So. My time zone is Greenwich <laughs> Mean Time, a plus one, because that is what, it's, what it is. And my Hogwarts house is Hufflepuff. Yes. Nice. I think sometimes, some days, <laughs> when on good days, it's Hufflepuff. In terms of my lost, the story of, of how I got lost, I guess, I, um, I've been in Venom for, for a long time, and I guess that along with Harry Potter, Lost was pretty much my primary and, like, initiating fandom and the reason that I am on here and that I spend so much of my life watching and writing about television and and books and stories in general is because both Lost and Harry Potter just hit me at a time like a very formative time in my life and and I got really invested in both fandoms and Lost was probably the fandom that got me really into sort of online culture you know I was in forums and I listened to podcasts and I theorized and I shipped and I speculated and I just I got I and I watched and I watched and I watched and I watched and I've talked about I told you guys as well before we started recording that I haven't really rewatched the show since it ended and it was sort of like because the show just took up so much of my life when it was on once it was over I had that kind of like Frodo on the mountain you know, feeling where I was like, it's done. <laughs> I'm free. And and I I haven't really looked back since because it was like such a an overwhelming, all consuming fandom for me. And I'm sort of like a, a little bit still in recovery. So now that you guys have roped me back in, there's no hope for me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. You part of me wanted it. That's why I'm here. Um, 
but yeah, no. So so when it when it, when Lost was on, I watched and rewatched it like a million. I can't even count how many times. But I haven't actually gone back and rewatched it all since because it was so familiar to me, and because of the way that it ended. I, you know, a lot of the theories that I had and a lot of the thoughts that I had along the way sort of got thrown a little bit to the wayside. So it's hard to go back knowing how it ends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we have to go back, Selena. We have to go back. I <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that one. <laughs> I guess, you know, you have a you have a little question for me in the dark, which is favorite characters. And that one is, is always really hard for me because I, I genuinely love all of them in mm-hmm. in very different ways like I think Locke is probably my my number one like he's one of my favorite characters in in television in general like I'm I'm so in mm-hmm. love with him and Locke's story really affected me and and I really really loved him and I loved Saeed was one of my favorites as well Kate I loved Kate mm-hmm. and I sort of in fa- you know like and this is very similar I guess to the 100 fandom where there are certain characters that take uh, what feels like an unfair amount of flack from the general fan base and you sort of take on a little bit of a protective role. That's definitely the way that I felt about Kate um, when the Mm -hmm. show was on because people in fandom were so... Like, she was basically the love interest for many viewers, right? Like, mm-hmm. she like, like she yeah. was the one, the center of the love triangle, and people were, like, shipping her, and I was certainly involved with that as well, but I think that, that there was so much more to her than that, and I sort of took, like, a Kate defense squad position <laughs> in a lot of those debates. And and I loved, and, and, you know, for the love triangle, I loved both Sawyer and Jack. I think that they were both fantastic characters, but I was a jader. <gasps> so... <laughs> Now that's Same. out of the way. <laughs> I I thought that they were I, uh, like from the very beginning, like in this episode we're going to talk about today. I think there's a big sort of a lot of of, of what founded my my ship love for them. But I always really 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 loved Sawyer as a character, and mm-hmm. I always like again not speaking about anything that happens later on. But he is involved with my OTP of the show, which is not Jake. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I won't anymore. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but yeah, it was hard to be a shipper. It was hard to be a Lost fan and a shipper. And I don't know if you can relate to this as well, remember. But there was even, like, the 100 has a rough time with, with ship wars and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. with Lost, it was not only, like, the ship war, but it was, like, the shippers versus the general fans. Yeah. And, like, trying to prove oh. yourself as a fan who also cared about the smoke monster and the mythology and the black rock and all of that and also cared about the relationships of the characters was like a, a nightmare like i really empathize with shippers in, in the hundred now because i know how tough it is like i was there guys <laughs> i get it i remember like back when the fandom was active because i'm so glad i finally met someone who remembers this yes. um, oh my god i remember like you had to prove yourself like intellectually like yes. as a shipper to like justify yeah. like why you were allowed to be in the fandom because shipping was like the softer thing like the more girly mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. so like if you couldn't like keep up with the theorizers like people looked down on you and treated you kind of as an idiot Exactly, exactly. It was it was honestly like <laughs> my time in the in the in the Lost fandom was like I, I remember it like a it's it was kind of traumatic experience, you know, because yep. it was so hard to be and it was so hard to be again, a fan of Kate and a fan of it was hard to be a fan of Jack as well, by the way. Like yeah. Sawyer was it was a bit easier because <laughs> he was like general genuinely liked by, by everyone, right? But yep. mm-hmm. but just having to sort of have this constant debate that yes, of course, all of the the myth- mysteries 
matter. And of course, I'm reading all of the stupid books that they made you read that turn out to have no meaning and I'm solving all the puzzles and the stupid websites but I also care about these people and their well-being and and who they end up with and who they're friends with and like how they're doing and stuff and and I feel like it's it's so it was so tough it was so tough to to be both yeah and I think the hundred fandom at least doesn't really seem to have that problem because most people care about the shipping like as far as I know like there's and even like if you're not as invested in the shipping I think that it's hard to deny that that is a huge part of the fandom whereas I think in the lost days there was such a gender divide as well because yeah, there, there were totally so many was. like men that tried to make themselves better than the women by saying that men are mythology fans and, and women are shippers. Oh my god. I'm like getting mad like just thinking about it now. <laughs> <laughs> but that was also like part of like why the critical backlash against the finale was so big was a lot of the reviewers were men who believed that it was mm-hmm. all about science and yeah. didn't want it to be about faith. Yeah. Right. So that was really interesting to like kind of watch unfold in real time. Mm-hmm. It's true, yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to hear, like, everyone's thoughts on this episode, especially because this Mm -hmm. is a really good Jack episode. Yes. (laughs) Because I texted Robin last night, and I was like, Jack episodes are the worst. And she's like, but this one's good. And I was like, you're right. Because (laughs) I feel like Stranger in a Strange Land definitely scarred me for life. Oh, Stranger in a Strange Land is on the bottom of every list. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but this one, this one's like high up there, I think. Like if I took a look at all the Jack episodes, this is one of the best ones, especially with the island stuff as well. Like there isn't actually a lot of flashback in this episode, but oh man, that scene with, with the golden trio with Kate, Jack and Charlie is just iconic. Oh my God. Iconic. So good. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I forgot like this episode. I I really liked this episode and. Uh, partly because it's a Jack episode, but also just because I remember it as being a good episode. But when I was rewatching, I was like, this is when, like, so many formative things happen. Yeah. Yep. You know, like, yep. this is when they find the hat. This is when Locke mm-hmm. and, and Boone team up. This is, yeah. oh my gosh, like, the, and, and the whole Charlie thing. Like, I don't know if you guys are going to get into theories and stuff a lot, but it, oh, really, yeah, absolutely. it really made me think about some of the bigger island plans for these characters and stuff oh i love it i love it so much i wanted to start something called corrections or something and it's kind of like if people have written in and said hey actually that fun fact that robin thought of it off the top of her head is wrong or like um also <laughs> oh great uh, so this is the segment where we're wrong think of. <laughs> yeah basically uh if anybody thinks so um i thought of my own correction actually in this because i was uh re-listening to our solitary episode and we were talking about how Michael and Walt were originally Team Beach and now suddenly they live in the caves. I remembered, like, I think it was a couple episodes earlier, or maybe the, the episode earlier, Walt says to Michael, this place is cool, can we live here? Oh. Mm-hmm. And we totally mm-hmm. forgot about that. Today we have words to say about episode 111 of Lost, All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. Okay, so All the Best Cowboys <laughs> Have Daddy Issues. Shut up, Robin. Um... When I was writing this before I actually did some research on what the title actually meant, which I never did before, um, I was just like, yeah, cowboys, yeah, daddy issues, that's it. (laughs) Um, But apparently it's actually... Uh, let me go on the Lostpedia page here. Isn't it a, um, a song? The title of the episode is an allusion to this album by rock star Pete. It, it's it's pronounced Town Townshend or Townshend. 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 
Townsend. Ta- Townsend yeah. might be it, yeah. It's a reference to a story inside the album jacket, which tells a tale of leadership and sacrifice in a crisis. It, it, it was, all the best cowboys have Chinese eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that sounds Yikes. strange to me. Yikes. Mm-hmm, that sounds Feels racist. a little weird. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I think the lost title is much better. It's much it makes better. Makes much more sense. Yes. And it's much more true because <laughs> it is true. Like, I think I love this title because I think it is so, first of all, like, daddy issues is such a huge part of what makes the characters of Lost the characters mm-hmm. of Lost. And so true. Jack as this traditional cowboy, good guy, you know, white hat, black hat type of character is obviously so, something that is very emblematic of his character and also kind of contradicts some of the stuff that happens later on so positioning him as as this quote-unquote main cowboy of the story and 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 obviously it is all about his daddy issues but it's also just a regular like a a general commentary on how much daddy issues actually mean for all these characters you know Mm -hmm. there was also a thing in 2006 rock band senses fail named a song on their sophomore album still searching after this episode Mm -hmm. um so it was a concept album, which is kind of like just a story is told through the whole thing. And in the episode or the song in the album called All the Best Cowboys Have Daddy Issues, um, I think it said that the character commits suicide that in that. Um, oh, yeah. Takes his own life in that. And I'm like, why is that relevant? Why? Hmm, I don't like on. it. Why? I don't know. I don't get it. But whatever. I haven't listened to the album, so I don't really I can't really have an <laughs> opinion, I guess. OK, so Selena, I have a question for you. Okay. You're on the island. Yes. And someone says, you can live on the beach or you can go up to the creepy caves. Which mm-hmm. one do you pick? That's a leading question. You said creepy <laughs> caves. Do I live I'm... on the lovely, warm, sunny beach or the creepy <laughs> cave of death? Um, <laughs> you know, I think that for many reasons, I would go with the beach. I think what it is, is, is I, I'm not sure exactly how long they've been on the island at this time, but I think that... I believe I it was Kate who who made the point that like going to the beach feels like or it, maybe it was Jack like like going to the to the caves feels like giving in you know yeah, right. it feels like they're starting to make themselves comfortable and I sort of I would I would think that I, I in being in this position would still believe that it would be beneficial to be somewhere where you were more visible and where you could more easily get help and sort of being closer to rescue you know what i mean so i think i would stay on the beach absolutely Um, also this episode takes place on day 16 yeah right i would definitely stay on the beach oh my god yeah Yeah. be like we've been here two weeks guys yeah let's settle in (laughs) (laughs) they never found amelia Earhart. it's gonna take a while yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) the broadcast date was december 8th 2004 it was written by javier grigio march march watch we know we ended up Yes. Uh, pronouncing it last time. Yes. And it was directed by Stephen Williams, who is, along with Jack Bender, uh, two of the main directors on Lost. So, yeah. Javi is a really good writer. Javi is I know a, it's not surprising, but sometimes it just, like, takes you back for a second. Yeah. I was so excited when I saw he wrote this one, because he's written some <laughs> of my favorite episodes, and, like, this one is... It's just so good. Like, can we just say mm-hmm. that, that this episode is so it's good? So, it I is know. good. It's good. It's probably one of the best ones in season one, I, I think. I agree. Brittany is now going to recap the episode and try and do it in a minute or less, and I'm going to speed it up if she fails. <laughs> oh, Selena, do you remember this? Like, when Lost was airing and when Battlestar was airing, they did, like, Lost in 8, 15 minutes, where they would recap yeah, the entire yeah, yeah, yeah. show. 
Kate, I this is what that this. is. Okay. So we're, we tried to do it in like a minute, but like it was those really clever videos where that really monotone sounding woman would recap mm-hmm. the entire show with commentary. And I loved those. So this is what this is. And okay. I'm not going to be able to do it in a minute. <laughs> We begin with our beloved king of noticing things, Jack, discovering Charlie and Claire are missing. Hurley tells everyone Ethan wasn't one of their Scooby gang, and Jack decides to go off on a merry hunt for him, alone. He walks around in circles until Locke catches up and tells him maybe they should work together. In the past, Jack tries and fails to save a woman on his operating table. It's really sad. On the island, Michael has pretty bad FOMO. Jack's dad, Christian, tries to call Jack out on bogarting his surgery, but surprise, Christian was super drunk while operating and super probably killed the girl Jack was trying to save. Jack's dad is kind of a jerk. Jack admits that he's so gung-ho to find Claire and Charlie because he didn't believe someone was out to get her. Way to go, buddy. Boone breaks the fourth wall and realizes he's probably a red shirt. Rough. In the past, Christian tries to get Jack to lie about the botched surgery because he is a super shady dude. Jack finally gives in. It's his dad, guys. Sawyer and Saeed have a pleasant chat where no one threatens anyone at all, so don't even ask. Not even Rain stops Boone from spilling his backstory to Locke. It does slip up Jack and Kate, who run into Ethan, and everyone has a bit of a tussle in the mud. Ethan wins. In the past, Jack stumbles into a narrative device and has a change of heart about not turning his dad in for malpractice and all-around accidental murder and stuff. Good job, Jack. We're all very proud of you. On the island, Jack and Kate find Charlie hanging from a tree because Ethan is a big, gigantic creep. Jack manages to resuscitate Charlie, and the parallels between Charlie and the girl he couldn't save are neatly tied up in a little plot bow. Charlie can't remember anything that happened to him, and Claire is still gone. He's super sad because he's super in love with her. Back in the jungle, Locke and Boone have uncovered some kind of structure on the Earth that is possibly one of the best mysteries of the whole show, and maybe it's related to one of the best characters in the whole show, but that's a story for another episode. Uh, so now we're going to get started. We're going to start with the main storyline of the search for Claire and Charlie. And then later we will uh, branch off into Boone and Locke and such. Uh, so first of all, Ethan's not on the plane. Uh, they call him Canadian again. But Hurley should know he's not Canadian because he's not nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, Both Canadians here are super offended that Ethan tried that. <laughs> Charlie and Claire are missing. I actually had like this like big swell in my heart when they were like, "Uh uh-oh, Charlie and Claire are missing. And they just start like running and I'm just like, they care so much about their friends. I I also care about Claire and Charlie. (laughs) This is one of the things that I like genuinely really like about Jack. And I think it is one of the Mm -hmm. things that really sort of divides the fan base a little bit. But I think I always, I always really identify with Jack because he's like super like, type a and like running around such a control freak like totally neurotic Mm -hmm. but i believe that at in his heart he is a good person right and he oh he so genuinely wants to find his friends he genuinely wants to save everyone you know like he he is trying to be good in all of his over-the-top like dramatic ways and and I think that this when he's just like, no, I'm going to go right now. Like, I don't care. It's it's as much of an expression of how much he truly just wants the best for everyone as it is an expression of him being unable to sit back and let it go. You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. both of those things are at play here. But I just when he went off immediately, I was like, this is why I this is why I love him, like despite everything. Because it's really easy when you like see Jack in the later seasons to be like, oh, Jack. Yeah, but, like just stop. <laughs> but you look at him in the context of this episode and it's mm-hmm. just a good person trying to do a good thing without any like actual direction of what they're doing. But they know they have to do it. Exactly. And like Locke is obviously Locke is also expressing like, just let me Mm -hmm. also do a good thing here. But Jack is just like, you know what, like our friends are out there and they're dying. And I know that 
I have to help them. And in, in the end, he's right, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. They find Claire's bag and there's been indications of a struggle all over the place. There's three sets of footprints, drag marks. Um, and then Jack just starts screaming, <laughs> and and while I mean uh, Locke has this, <laughs> and Locke has this this iconic shot where they kind of like push in on his face, and he goes shh, and you're like, I know, oh, I love it. That's a oh good one. God. Like you just get tingles sometimes. <laughs> I do that whenever they do that shot from the pilot where he smiles with the orange. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. my favorite Locke moment. Of the whole show. I, my favorite log moment is, is not to jump ahead, but in the rain, you know, when he knows and then <gasps> yeah! it happens. And I'm just like, this is peak Locke. Like, this is, yeah. he is so happy right now. Like, this is him finally living up to, oh my God, the story of Locke. I could talk about it all day. I won't, but oh my God. <laughs> He's living life to his fullest for the first time. He like, is. what is there not to get emotional about? I know. <laughs> Uh, speaking about the the pilot, just kind of jumping a- ahead a little bit here as well, is I I, I was doing another, like, <laughs> I do my notes while I watch, and then I watch again the next day before I record, mm-hmm. and I was watching when they were trying to get Charlie down, and I thought, do you think that Kate is still wearing those shoes that she stole from that guy <laughs> in the pilot? Oh, I bet <gasps> I she, never mu- thought she about must that. be. Yeah. Do you think she, she wears those shoes for the whole series, maybe? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, thank God they fit. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like everything everyone has on that island is just stolen from someone else at this point. Yeah. So Locke is doing his tracking thing. Um, and something that was really interesting that I read on the on the Lostpedia page was how they were saying Jack is going, how how could he do this? And Locke is saying, no, you should be asking, why did he do this? Mm-hmm. And... That's science and faith right there. This doesn't make any sense. How could one man drag off two people, one of them pregnant? Now you're asking the wrong question, not how. Why? That's a good point. And yeah. another thing that I noticed in my second rewatch just now was that when Walt and Sawyer are talking... I think Ethan took them. Ethan took them, huh? Yeah. Took them why? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, oh. there's the faith! Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, man of science, man of faith. Those are my favorite And even, like, even again in this exact same scene, like, Locke is just like, oh, yeah, he must have done this. And he goes, okay, but but how? And I'm like, Jack just needs to know. (laughs) Somebody tell this man how this happened. (laughs) Jack's just always looking for answers, and everyone's like, we can't give them to you, Jack. I'm so sorry. But then they kind of switch really quickly from science to faith is that because Locke goes, we need to go back and we need to think about this logically. Mm-hmm. And Jack goes, no, no, I can find him myself. Yeah, that's really interesting, though, isn't it? Because I think that, like, even though that also speaks to, again, like, letting, letting, like, taking a step back and letting events unfold, whereas just taking action right now, Jack is mm-hmm. going on the little information he has and taking some huge leaps of quote-unquote faith based on, you know, whereas Locke maybe wants to... I don't know. That's interesting. Hmm. I feel like Locke is very faith-based, but Mm -hmm. not without reason. Mm -hmm. So, like, Mm -hmm. at that point, he's looking at Jack and going, you don't have anything to go off of yet. We need to get evidence to follow our guts. Yeah. It's like the last Jack episode when Jack was also, like, running around the jungle for no reason. Um, (laughs) He was basically being like, okay, well, you think you see the person that you know isn't around, but why? 
Like, how is this happening as a doctor? Tell me the science, you know, like being like, what works for me is like, okay, but maybe they are here. But what works for you is why is this happening? Or like, how is this happening? Honestly, in another life, Locke would have made a great psychologist. Absolutely. So Jack decides to go off alone. Something that I wanted to point out from this scene, we're in the very first scene, we're still talking about (laughs) it. Um, But was that... Uh, we were talking a little bit um, when we were talking about Riverdale uh, on our Riverdale podcast about how Veronica at one point was supposed to have run like across the school, across a giant field. And then when she walked into a room, she was fine. And she was just like, here I am. So that's not what they do here is like if th- these people have been running, they're mm-hmm, heavy mm-hmm. breathing the whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. The, the continuity of Lost is one of the best things about it, because I was thinking about this with regards to the light. Like the further they get into mm-hmm. the day, genuinely the light changes. And mm-hmm. when they when it's been raining, their clothes get dirty. And in the next scene, right. even though it's not raining anymore, it's still like damp and it has like sweat patches on it and stuff. And they do that better than I think almost any other show. Mm-hmm. I feel like because they really, really cared. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's sure. not like they're just making like a box show to push out to try and get ratings like it's not a box company you guys (laughs) damn it (laughs) i just like whoever when they were making this they knew they had something special and so they paid so much attention to it and like this was a different era of television which is always Mm -hmm. fascinating to me is like lost was like the last great network show and Mm -hmm. it, it shows in how much they loved making it so even in the acting, like in some of the scenes that we'll get to, and I'm I'm sure we're gonna talk more in depth about the the the, the re- resurrection scene, but like mm-hmm. you know, Evangeline Lilly's acting in that scene, like, you oh know, which is like they so give good. it like a million percent all the time. It's amazing. Uh, once they get to the caves, Locke is like, okay, well, I'm going back out, and Kate's like, yeah, I'm coming with you, and he was like, yeah. of course you are, <laughs> <laughs> of course, like I I, I I wasn't gonna try and talk you out of it. So Shannon and Boone are still team beach and she's like we have to get back to the beach um shannon's like forced to stay the night in the caves mm-hmm. i guess how's she um, gonna get a tan i know you gotta like, think these things through her priorities <laughs> um but of course boone is like hello i hear that i could potentially be included in an a mission <laughs> here Screen i am time, please <laughs> it's like i would love that captain um, i want to come along on the away mission <laughs> So Walt comes in and he's like, I really want to help. Here, look, if um, Vincent smelled something of Charlie's, then maybe we could. And I'm that like, was this so is so sweet. pure. And uh, honestly, a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like Vincent is that talented, you know? Mm-hmm. I just believe in Vincent that much. <laughs> Do you guys think that if Boone hadn't volunteered, that Michael would be on that team there? That's a good question. Mm. I'm I'm not sure because because again I only had time to watch this one episode. But has there mm-hmm. been some kind of contention with Michael before? Because they seem like they're shutting him out. Yeah, that's when uh, um, Walt has been spending a lot of time with Locke, oh, and so Michael doesn't want right, him to. Right, right, No, I don't think they would include him. I think they're. I don't think Locke wants him around. And I don't think it's bad for him to be excluded because like he is the only parent on that yeah. entire mm. island for Walt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Putting him at risk isn't great. Yeah. But also, like, Locke totally gives good reasons. He's like, yeah, and he doesn't act like he's being like, we're excluding you. He's being <laughs> like, yeah, go ahead, uh, do your other thing, that'd be super helpful. Um, we're doing this, so you should go do that. Okay, bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also tries to send Jack away. Like, I feel like Locke 
under different circumstances would be a fairly good leader for for everyone you know like he mm-hmm. really does yeah. try to think like part of Locke obviously is like look this is I want a purpose this is my purpose Jack go have your own purpose but he's also being reasonable in, in what he says that they need a position and if Jack goes out there and dies they're screwed like he's right mm-hmm. yeah so Locke's yeah. logic is also like often mutually beneficial to everyone mm-hmm. especially Locke <laughs> it's, it's the brilliant. next thing we have is Jack just running around like honestly <laughs> Some, you can just like look at his face and he's like I'm running I don't actually know what I'm doing I he like finds this broken branch and I'm like Jack. buddy stop trying like, he's like it's a clue <laughs> that could literally be anything my dude <laughs> he just like is looking around being like okay it looks like I'm going the right way I'm super lost right now guys and that's when Locke shows up and is just like it's a good thing you're going in a circle not much of a search grid but we never would have found you otherwise. Hey, good thing you were easy to find because you're a moron. I know. <laughs> it wasn't one of Jack's finer moments. <laughs> I feel like if you went into a dictionary and just looked up the word stubborn, mm-hmm. it's just a picture of Jack Shepard. Jack, yeah, he yeah. like embodies that word. He does. That's why he and Kate fit together so well. I mean, uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> an interesting thing is that Locke comes in and he's just like this is feels like my fault because I hunted with Ethan I spent time with him everything that I know he probably knows more and something that I picked up from that was like I feel like Ethan probably was like who's their best hunter slash tracker go hang out with Locke now he knows what Locke knows yeah mm-hmm. He knows he can he can figure out what they know. He can he knows the extent of their skills. You know if he yes, he has, knows what, he mm-hmm. knows how Locke thinks. So he knows and I how think that's to why, get rid of him. That's why it was Kate who found him because Ethan hasn't been paying attention yeah, to Kate. Exactly. Yeah, because Locke goes off the other way because Ethan probably did it so that mm-hmm. Locke would go off the other way. Yeah. What a great yeah. example of everyone always underestimating Kate. I know. <laughs> Just Dude. listen to Kate for once, guys. Just <laughs> once. <laughs> Although I will say I did love that moment when Locke was just like, of course you're coming along. Like I feel like Lost, yeah. yep. in retrospect, the way it treats women isn't always like amazing. But it does have its moments, especially early on with, with how Kate is just so, such a physical, active part of, of yeah. the A-team, you For know, sure. like you said. Yeah, she's a character with just huge amounts of agency. Yeah. Like, things don't happen to Kate. Kate mm-hmm. does the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Locke is trying to make Jack go back to the caves, and he's basically like, I'll be my archetype, you be your archetype. <laughs> yeah. Okay? You can't be coming in on my archetype. Yeah. And I have a purpose now, and I finally have one, and I never had one before, and you don't get to be everything. It's kind of like in school when one yeah. kid is just good in all the classes, and you're like, but this is the one thing that I know how to do. Yeah. Like, this is my talent. Yeah. yeah. I know how to play the trumpet best. <laughs> I don't know why I went to band class immediately. I'm so sorry. We have Locke marking the trees and Boone's like, okay, I'll do that now. And Locke's basically saying, we need to take a little bit of a rest, you know, like figure out where we're going, maybe take a sit and just talk it out. And Jack's like, um, what? <laughs> Taking a break. Are you crazy? <laughs> Again, never heard of it. Not to not to go to the hundred, but I feel like in the start of the show there was a very clear Clark uh, Jack 
um, mm, parallel yeah. to be drawn in the way that they literally have no idea how to how to relax you know like they are like the energizer bunny just like no we have to go over here we have to do this thing it has to be now we have to run over here don't take a break just keep keep doing that i feel like they're very similar in that way mm-hmm. does that make lock bellamy mm, <laughs> i think um sawyer is bellamy I think. I oh my think God! Yes, he is. Obviously, <laughs> like that's you know. <laughs> well, who's I Kate? super love that. Who's Who's Kate? Yeah, Raven. No, Kate? just kidding. Where's Murphy. my Murphy? <laughs> Murphy is real in any universe. <laughs> so, Jack's like it's like almost four, and Locke's yeah. like actually it's four twenty-five. Ha ha. Time has no meaning on this island. <laughs> How, how do you do that? Okay, whatever. The island loves him. But Kate's basically like, Jack, can I give you a timeout? Can we talk over here, please? <laughs> My shipper heart is so excited. But Jack feels really bad because he didn't believe Claire. But also, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Like, Locke probably can sort of tell the time because the island's like, yes, I want you to know what time it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I've been counting seconds in the back of my mind this whole time. <laughs> It's like when I'm not hunting, that's all I'm doing for when people ask me. But the island is clearly like favoring Locke at this point, you know, yes, like absolutely. it's giving him, it's it's amplifying his natural abilities. It's almost, it, it is literally making his dreams come true. You know, it's like, it's giving mm-hmm. him a purpose. It's making him, it's giving him this walkabout that he always wanted. And it's making him this island like whisperer in a way, you know, like where, where he really is. And that's part of his anxiety with, with, taking jack along is that he's saying no no like the island isn't speaking to you it's speaking to me like this is my place this is my quote-unquote destiny you know and it's it's leading him to all of these places and and it has a plan for him etc etc so um so i think yeah when when he says it starts to rain and then it starts to rain that's as much the island allowing him that victory as it is him being able to figure out exactly when it's going to rain you know exactly Um, they find the L on Charlie's hand. Well, they, they found it. It, w- it used to be on Charlie's hand. It is not anymore. But this is kind of a Hansel and Gretel kind of thing. Like, there's, like, breadcrumbs mm-hmm. being put all over the place. Okay, um, so who did this, though? Was this Ethan or was this Charlie? I think this See, was Charlie. We never, we never really know, and it could be either one. Well, I think the I think it points to it being Charlie because Clark, uh, What's a, what's a face? Kate and Jack find it after right. they split up. So mm-hmm. Ethan's dummy trail was the one Locke followed, and then they find the A after that. Right. Okay, good point. Good I point. think, like, I wonder if the first one was Ethan or something, and then the rest mm-hmm. of them, Charlie was like, ooh, good idea. Because, <laughs> like, listen, no offense to Ethan, some offense to Ethan. I don't think he was <laughs> smart enough to do that. <laughs> Yeah, and he didn't want them to be following him, so why would he leave any kind right. of trail? Yeah, good point. We find our second of Charlie's DIY rings, and uh, now we see that there are two trails. Is it Ethan? Could it be? Either way, Kate is super smart about it, mm-hmm. um, and Kate's also a tracker, and then they choose to split up. I'm just so proud of Kate, you know? <laughs> That's my baby. Yes, you go, girl. You go. We believe. Kate comes in and she's like, you need to slow down because I'm not actually as good at this as Locke is. There's a blooper. On oh, I was just going to say that. <laughs> where <laughs> she says, I'm not as good as Jack is. <laughs> I mean, you're Jack. I meant Locke. 
And Aww. what is amazing about that blooper is that it shows her tripping in a way yeah. that looks so natural, but was clearly part of the staging. You yeah, know, like, like she, she, she was going to trip every time. Yeah, and it yeah. looks so real. How do actors do that? I don't know. Acting. Like how do you acting. like how do you think though? But like you put so much thought into it, you're like okay, so Kate's gonna trip right here because she has to demonstrate physically that she's not as capable as Locke. It's like what? <laughs> I feel like potentially she may have they they may have been like here's where we're doing the scene, and then she was like okay, and went over her blocking and went ooh, this is a place I would probably trip. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, she tripped over her line. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that joke was unacceptable. <laughs> No, it was great. (laughs) So Jack is like, he's just, is he tired? Is he hungry? Is he all of the above? Because he's just being a bit of a jerk (laughs) right now. He's like, can I just have some honesty, please? And she's like, okay, well, here's my little story. Me and my dad, he was a hunter and we used to uh, go out and track deer for like eight hours. And it was a good time. It was like his religion. He was in the army. There you go. There's my real thing. Do you want to talk about your dad now? And he's like, I think I'll have a flashback instead. <laughs> well, I it would be a remiss of me as a jader not to let mm-hmm. this moment pass without, you sure. know, acknowledging that Do it. what Do it. he actually says is give me something real, which is just so uh-huh. beautiful. And this is definitely, I think for me, looking back at it, one of the moments when I was like, okay, but I need you to make out now. Like, <laughs> I, I think that... The two of them, they have such a potential for bringing out some kind of catharsis in each other, you know, like they Mm -hmm. have the ability to push each other's buttons, but not in like a, I want to see how far I can push you kind of way, but just genuinely open up to me and let me get to know you for real in this crazy unpredictable uh, murderous place. And I think that they both kind of display that here, even though... Jack, it's Jack's flashback episode, so he is more introspective because that's mm-hmm. who the camera is going to cut to. Um, <laughs> but I think, but I, I do think they both of them they have this sense of like, I thought that I knew you, but clearly there's so much you're not telling me, and I really, really want you to open up and to basically get to know you. And that is what what he's expressing, and that is what she's expressing. And she does give him something because she's the one who has quote unquote betrayed his trust not that she has but he feels that she has and mm-hmm. and so she, but but now he's actually the one who's holding all of this information about himself back from her and she's sort of calling him out on that so i just really really love this scene and i think it is one of those moments that show like how much of a genuine connection they want to have with each other, but like all of this baggage is just holding them back. I never actually <sighs> thought about how constructive their relationship is. I mean, yeah, stop making yeah. me want to ship Jake. Oh my god, no, I would never do that. And uh, I, I, I understand. I'm totally okay with the skate. I totally get it. I see, I see all the chemistry and stuff. But I think that for me, like, yeah, what what I love about Jade is just like how much they they really want to move each other forward, and they really want to not just to to like i don't know it's so it's about so much more than than physical intimacy you know what i mean mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i do really love that i really i i never thought about jate like that before like i i prefer jate to skate just because like suliet obviously but i never thought about like how actually like healthy their relationship is in terms of like i need you to open up to me not for me but for you mm-hmm 
and find like some kind of really good balance because Kate definitely does what, you know, Locke definitely couldn't, which was calm him down for a second and mm-hmm. help him focus. Mm-hmm. Even if his focus is on like a flashback, it definitely like centers Jack in a way that no one else does. Yeah, and I think to the extent that Lost is, and I'll try to res- to re- restrain myself here. We're not going into like a huge jake. Uh, no, do <laughs> it. It's but, awesome. But but I do think like to the extent that Lost is about letting go, or to the extent that it was, because I think it kind of transformed into a different thing over the seasons. But in the beginning, at least, it was really about letting go of of the past and 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 accepting a new and less burdened version of yourself and i think all of the characters were sort of slowly parsing out their traumas of whatever form that they happen to be and then find trying trying to find a way to move forward and i think for me the reason that i always lean more towards jade than towards skate i will say that probably around season three this begins to shift a little bit but in the first seasons especially like i felt like jack was jack and kate to each other were helping each other move forward like you said like they were both sort of taking comfort or or like reassurance from each other but they were also pushing each other to 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 let go and to embrace their better selves whereas i think for Mm -hmm. me what kate and sawyer were doing to each other where they were kind of reaffirming or reinforcing bad habits of the past you know and i think that that there's there's a lot more sort of depth to go into in the way that that Jack and Sawyer represent like the two that Kate's two dads and how all that kind of plays in without being too gross. Like it is kind of like you know there was there is a, a good side of herself and a bad side of herself, and she's always sort of torn in between those two. And I think in the beginning, Jack and, and Sawyer sort of represent those two sides of Kate and who she can choose to which side of herself she can choose to embrace moving forward. Right, and then. Obviously, as we get further in, the waters get a little bit more muddled and stuff like that. But at least for the, at the in this part of the show, I'm really, really strongly feeling that 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 is the kind of dichotomy that is that is being set up between these three. See, this is when you know you have good characters. Yes. When you can, yeah. When you can have these thoughts and be like, mm-hmm. ah, yes, I see this. Yes. Exactly. And you can also see the opposite. Cause, and that's the thing, again, yeah. with, with, with going back to the, the fandom and the, ba- the, the fights and, and all of that stuff is that Lost had more than one like way of looking at the story like you could Mm -hmm. go into it and you can see it the way that i see it and you can go in and say like yeah clearly jack is representing like the quote-unquote good side of kate Mm -hmm. and sawyer is representing the bad side of kate but you could also go in from the opposite perspective and say no kate and sawyer are challenging each other and are helping each other like they are they both have this bad past that is similar to each other and they are helping each other move move through that and learn to accept each other not for like this aspirational version of themselves but the realistic version of themselves and i know lots of like skaters were saying that at the time and that's also valid like more than mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. interpretation can be really can be valid i think that's just a mark of a good show yeah and and i think the writers to- were aware of that they were, they were, and mm-hmm. they were playing to all of that. And again, I think that, that in one of the ways that that The 100 has sort of emulated Lost is that, you know, they, they don't try to present one truth and they don't try mm-hmm. to present one, like, version of a character or one, like, relationship or whatever that is the quote-unquote right one because I think that it's meant to be open to interpretation. Exactly. There's no, like, one end-all, be-all resolution yeah. to anything. yeah. And when fans are like, no, no, this is wrong and this is right. It's like, no, 
it can that's, all that's not anyway. how it works yeah so we, the, it's raining now yeah so we talked so long that it is now raining <laughs> scary trees <laughs> um they find the tea and it's kind of like this sound that's like very bird-ish like kate must have heard this is a bird jack heard <laughs> this is a scream because and was jack just like himself these think these things that's what i want to um, know do you think the island wanted Jack to find Claire? Oh, I think so. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing is that Ethan's been living on the island for longer, so it's like, why is the island on, e- on Jack's side rather than Ethan's? Oh, honestly, well. I think because the island is not uh, the other's biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. True. Yeah, the island brought Jack there and didn't bring Ethan there. Right? True. Am I wrong? I think I'm right. No, I'm you're not wrong. wrong. Okay. <laughs> I, ca- I can't remember how Ethan got there. Okay, I will cut this out, but would you like to know? Yes. yes. Um, Ah, anyway, that was cut out, so no one knows. (laughs) But thank you very much. (laughs) So, Ethan, uh, finds Jack. He's got his foot on his chest and is basically saying, if you keep following me, I will kill one of them. I am not someone that bluffs. So, here you go. Um, fun fact, just that there was a lost on location for this episode that I watched, and it was, uh, kind of, they were interviewing the guy who helps choreograph these fights, and he was saying that Ethan's fighting style was supposed to be, like, very feral and, like, didn't have any pieces of, like, kung fu or, like, any of these, like, specific kinds of things. It was just, like, really, like, this is how I'm gonna punch people, and he was supposed to, like, not have very much emotion. Like, he was supposed to be very robotic in this scene, and you could Mm. totally see it when you watch Mm -hmm. it back. He's so terrifying here but my question is where was kate during all this because they True. this this fight was way longer than it would have taken her to go down this cliff right yes like was she just kind of like made no taking sense. a break i don't know yeah but i, I always know. wondered about this and i always think like either it's a it's a like slight plot mistake that we're just supposed to overlook or it speaks to, you know, the idea that maybe he was, like, partly imagining it or the island was looping some kind right. of time around him or something. I honestly kind of always wondered if this fight was in his head. Yeah. Because of, mm. one, how quickly he kind of recovers, and mm-hmm. two, just that Kate witnessed none of it. And, like, Jack's yeah. already having, like, a really hard time on this day. Like, he's not 100% in his own head. Like, and Ethan just seems so... I don't want to say, like, ethereal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He doesn't seem like the normal Ethan. And he seems, he doesn't seem like a big bad. He seems like something else. But right. then, in that case, that opens up the other question, which kind of pertains to when they find Charlie and, and, and stuff like that. Like, like, is this the island wanting Jack, like, wanting to make sure that Charlie doesn't die here? I think so. Because if it was the real Ethan, I feel like the real Ethan would have killed Jack. Yeah. He wouldn't right. have just left him there knowing Kate was there. Ooh, mm. ooh, wait, I have thoughts about this in the spoiler section, actually. Okay, okay. So, yeah, Kate wakes him up, and she doesn't really believe that Ethan was there, so that's an interesting thing. I never thought about it that way, so that's that's really interesting. But what's also cool is that you can totally believe either thing, and it's yes. up to your interpretation, yeah. and that's awesome. It's also a nice parallel to uh, Jack not believing Claire earlier. Mm-hmm. Everyone's True, imagining yes. Ethan. <laughs> Um, So she's like, the rain has washed away the trail. And Jack says, I'm not letting him do this again. What do you think he's talking about? I mean, it has to be Claire, right? Like, is it or is it about his dad? Yeah. Well, it seems like it's about his dad. I think that like, because we're talking about like the the parallel here of a pregnant woman that Jack feels responsible for dying because someone like 
either his dad or in this case Ethan like stepped in and quote unquote took them away you know what I mean like like they, yeah. it's, a, it's a little bit of a thin parallel but I think it holds up to the extent that Jack could be thinking you know I'm not gonna let this him take another pregnant woman away from me that sounded gross but you know what I mean oh, I didn't even think about the pr- the pregnant part <laughs> mm-hmm Okay, that makes more sense then. Once they find the E, it's like, oh my gosh, this, first of all, this scene is incredible. It's probably one of my favorite scenes of the series. And I say that every episode, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, you see the E on his hand, and then you, you like, cut back farther to a wider (sighs) shot. And then it's like, it's just amazing. I I was sobbing, like, every time (laughs) I get to your own. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was uh, I was watching The Lost on Location because they were also talking about this on that thing. And, um, like, they were talking with Dominic, and he was saying, like, all day he was basically sleeping. Like, he was up <laughs> there for maybe six hours, and he was like, I just shut it right down. He was like, I was in a meditative state, and that's how I was. Like, they were pounding on my chest, and I was pretty much asleep. That sounds like him. That's a great day at work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like up up on in the harness and he's like all right guys well see you in a bit i'm out also like i just super hate seeing characters that i love hanged yeah Yeah. i hate (laughs) i hate these parallels it seems to keep happening (laughs) it honestly does like when i watched charlie get hanged it was horrible and then they did it on the hundred with abby and like i was like inconsolable inconsolable like my cousins were sitting next to me on the couch for that and they're like are you okay and i was like no (laughs) i just don't want to see these things (laughs) jack tries to lift him up and they get him down and jack begins to do cpr which is another parallel to the flashbacks Mm -hmm. what i think is really sweet about this is that kate is like holding his hand Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on the other side being like uh like i can't do this doctor stuff but i'm here to be the support yeah and then she she ends up giving up and it's everything, just like, oh. everything about this scene is just so stunning. And I, I talked about the acting mm-hmm. before, but like it can't be said enough how how amazing. First of all, Evie is just in general as a, as an actress. I think she's astounding. But also, obviously, uh, what's his face? I blocked his name out of my mind. Matthew um, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but no, but he, really, really, really good. And how viscerally terrible this scene is. Just because Charlie is dead, you know? Like, Charlie is dead. And if you step back and look at this, like, if not for that final reprieve that yeah. Charlie got for one reason or another. This is Jack pounding on a corpse, you know? Like yeah, of their breathe. friend. This is this breathe, is Charlie. Come on. You know, Kate breathe. just sobbing, devastated t- and terrified. You know, like she is terrified of Jack in that moment because also Ethan could show up at any moment. That is also mm-hmm. true. But like but but just because this is Jack at his absolute worst in yeah, terms of not giving up and in terms of not being able to accept failure and not being able to let things go and if if charlie had not woken up like this would have been i would first of all not would have probably wouldn't have shipped jade anymore but also like this would have been the end of of their relationship in a way because this is like a a terrible thing he does and i I get that he's a doctor and i get that there is a chance of it working but and and once Charlie is dead, like in general, like literally anything you can do to save him, you should. But just the the raw brutality of this moment yeah. is kind of shocking to watch. I think. Yeah, it's absolutely make or break for their relationship. Yeah, 
and like, she again the way that's how devastated and terrified she is is just hard. and if he had given up the first time like charlie would be dead yeah but yeah. then like and and that but but and and but he sh in a way like sh he should have like there's mm -hmm. no and this is again the, the where f science and faith kind of gets a little bit muddled because True. of course a lot of it for jack is is stubbornness but it is also a little bit of, of faith. Like if he had yeah. thought with his science part of his brain, he would have stopped after that first time and Charlie would have been dead and it would have been very sad. No. But he kept Jack. going and kept going Jack. and kept going and and it, it paid off. You know, he was rewarded by the island or Charlie was or someone was because he refused to give up, you know? And then there's the moment once he does wake up and then, you know, Kate and Jack just they have this moment with him and like jack is like cradling him like a baby and yeah. they just like she's still holding his hand yeah. and they're just also like happy and you're like wow yeah like charlie is their child now <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the jate child is actually charlie all along once they get back to the caves we find that uh they brought back charlie but not claire um and jack is saying we need your help so that you can help us find Claire. We've been talking a lot about Jack's bedside manner lately and how he's mm -hmm. been treating uh, women with kind of condescension a, li a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, this is great bedside manner, and I'm not sure how that fits into our little <laughs> theory. I think this goes to how Javi writes. Mm -hmm. yeah. is I think he understands Jack the best. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. I think in the hands of a writer who isn't as knowledgeable of like just sort of how female and character dynamics should work. He treats Jack and Jack treats Charlie the way that I think Jack in a perfect world would treat all his patients, which is with kindness and with good bedside manner, a little bit of detachment, but mostly just, you know, as a person. Whereas some of the previous writers, there's a really obvious divide between how Jack treats women, which is with a little bit of like disbelief and condescension versus men, which is, you know, sort of men up and suck it up sort mm -hmm. of. Thing. But here, but I, I think because he truly loves Charlie, there's a mm -hmm. huge difference. I, I agree. And I was going to say, I think that also has a lot to do with it. Like, obviously, you know, we're only like 11 episodes into the show. And I think that one of the things that characterizes Jack so far is that he's trying very hard to to distance himself from these people. Like mm -hmm. he he cares about them clearly and he wants them to be safe. But he's also some part of him is still halfway off this island now. Like he's trying not to get attached and he's trying to to treat these people like glorified strangers, basically. And I think when Charlie and, and Kate and Jack did sort of form this bond in the pilot, and now, mm -hmm. you know, they are, you know, again, you know, they are, they are family now. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that the way he, treat, he treats Charlie here is as much an, an indication of how, just how close they've gotten and how guilty Jack feels as well about what happened. Um, and how responsible he now feels for Charlie's life. And I, I don't remember what, what he's like when Claire comes back, honestly, because it's it's been so long since I've watched it, and I think it's going to be a while until we see it. But I think that, that something changes in Jack when he forms close relationships to these characters. And I think when mm -hmm. you look at... Also, mm -hmm. look at the way that he treats Locke. Like, he he's trying really hard to, to keep a distance from Locke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the same way that, you know, he speaks to to some of the other people that he doesn't know very well. And he's very condescending towards Boone. You know what I mean? So I think that yes. the, the further we get along, the people that Jack lets his guard down around are the people that, that he begins to treat with, with more sort of kindness. And, you know, and the, the ones that who, who he listens to more as well. 
Mm-hmm. I never thought about that. That's a really great, like, beautiful insight. <laughs> oh, Jack. <laughs> well, I, I've spent a lot of my time talking about Jack on the internet. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, but w- that's interesting, too, because we don't talk about Jack, I think, the same way you think about Jack. So, like, yeah. this perspective yeah. is fantastic because I never would have thought about Jack this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lastly, in the storyline, basically Charlie is saying he can't remember, and that they only wanted Claire, and we're like, who's so they? So clearly, he does they? remember something. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. I never got this. Like the yeah, memory sure. loss part. Yeah, because he Me says either. that he doesn't remember anything, and then he says something that he remembers. So. Yeah. He's like an unreliable, like alien abductee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, I don't remember anything except for a bright light and a guy mm-hmm. that kind of looked gray with, like, a weird face. And uh, there were aliens. Yeah. How many parallels I- to aliens can we make to the others? <laughs> <laughs> now let's find out. Are we ready to move on to the next storyline? Yes. Except yeah. to say that I'm super happy that Charlie survived. You know, I yes. think everyone who watched this for the first time was sure that he was going to get killed off. And he mm-hmm. didn't. And that was very nice. I love when people like live tweet <laughs> when they uh, <laughs> when they watch or like you get to be with the, the person in the room while they're watching for the mm-hmm. first time. And they're all like, oh, no, but why you know, has this happened? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what it actually is as well? And I think this is something that speaks to like that whole sort of oversaturation of character death on TV that we get nowadays is that I think this is the perfect example of how much of an impact it can have when a character doesn't die. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. if Charlie had died now, that would have been almost like the easy way, you know, to to make the audience really sad and to... Potentially like unforgivable. Yeah, well, like yeah. people might not be able to keep watching after that because Charlie's good, such a beloved character. That's a good point, but but I think in a way, like if they were wanting to shock people, like this is where they would kill him, and mm-hmm, it would be really sad, right. and they would f- cause a reaction. But actually, by doing it this way, you still got the huge emotional response to the audience, but you also got to keep Charlie around. And I think when we when we look at TV shows nowadays, like. I, th- I am always really impressed when they have the opportunity to kill a character and they don't. Like, you know, like yeah. the 100, like when they had the chance to kill uh, Raven and they didn't. That was a yeah. like 100 times more impactful than, than when they choose to kill people. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think that this is an underutilized uh, narrative um, strategy and I really, really appreciate that they, when they do it. And it's such a reflection of, like, the time that the show was made, too. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it was sort of, like, right in that odd time where, like, the internet was starting to come into play with television numbers, but the Nielsens were still sort of the number one indicator of, like, how popular a show was. And so a show didn't have to kill people or rely on death as much to, like, suck mm-hmm. people in. And you didn't need the social media aspect, and there wasn't all of that. And, you know... It was surprising to me that they didn't kill Charlie even then because, you know, 2003, 2004 was a pretty dark time. And a lot of shows' inclination was to lean into that darkness, which is, you know, what we see in pop culture now is the more dystopian our world gets, the more dystopian pop culture gets. There's no, like, balance either way. So the fact that Lost actually sort of was a beacon of light during all of that Mm. Is a huge testament to those writers and to the creators that yeah. they really worked to create something that people could love. Even though later in the show, I would argue that they kind of shot oh, yeah. themselves in the foot a little bit with oh, that yeah. one. But at this point, you're right. 
<laughs> you know, season one is a different time for all shows. <laughs> yeah, and they were sparse yeah. with their character deaths at this point, mm-hmm. which which made mm-hmm. each one that actually happened feel more impactful. Because if Charlie had died here, we wouldn't have cared as much in a couple mm-hmm. of episodes. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah. Which In which nothing happens at all. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to this s- small storyline about Walt and Michael and Hurley and Sawyer and Saeed. Firstly, Sorry. Michael is basically just complaining about Locke and calling himself a second-class citizen because he's not Locke or whatever. Walt's out here standing up for Locke, and then Michael just goes, and Hurley's like, I'm cool. <laughs> oh, like, Hurley. All right, bud. <laughs> I love Hurley so much. I think it's impossible. That, I think that was, like, the one unifying thing back in yes. that fandom. Yeah. Everyone, loved, everyone loves Hugo. Yes. Everybody loves Hugo. Yep. That's an episode in season six. We have this scene between Sawyer and Walt, and I just have so many feelings, first of all. <laughs> um, it's so cute that they're just, like, hanging out and walking. Like, I just, I'm trying to figure out how, in my mind, in my headcanon, this came to be. <laughs> like, was, like Sawyer was just walking, and Walt was just like, hey, want to gossip? And Sawyer was like, yep. Yeah. Or like, like, how did this happen? This is so adorable. And he's being really sweet with him, too. He's just like, he's taking his answers, and he's going, oh, yeah? Well, let me ask you a question about it. It's mm-hmm. it's cute. I love that. I liked it a lot, too. And I think that that's sort of, I imagine, I actually had this thought, too, when, when Michael was like, well, you know, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. The fact that Walt feels comfortable just going over and, and hanging out with Sawyer, kind of, and Hurley, you know, those are the two people that yeah. he sort of gravitates towards. I think that's, Walt is obviously recognizing something in Sawyer that, that Sawyer's trying to keep hidden at this point, you know? Oh, uh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Kids always know. Yes. I think it's so funny that he's like, well, my dad doesn't want me to hang out with Locke, so I'll go hang out with this guy who's like kind of racist and uh, <laughs> makes some weird decisions. And everyone thinks and, he's a thief. And that'll be fine. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. My dad didn't say this specific person. Yeah. I love Walt's loopholes for stuff. Mm-hmm. You ever think he might have lied about his name? It's stupid to lie about your name. (laughs) And we know that Sawyer has been lying. We don't actually, I don't think we actually know what his real first name is yet, but we know that that's some irony. He calls him Tattoo, and so there's something called Fantasy Island, which I think is a, yeah, television series. And he was the assistant of some dude who ran a magical resort on a mysterious island. So Sawyer's so heckin' smart. He just knows so many things. Sawyer's a nerd. He He is, I was gonna say. He's a giant (laughs) nerd. He's such a nerd. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. He, uh, like, Sawyer, when he's, you know, va- what Sawyer's when he's vacationing being Sawyer, all he's doing is sitting on the couch, like, watching TV. Sounds like. He has, like, a little notebook next to him of, like, good nicknames to give people. Yeah. And he's, like, trying to find <laughs> the right people to give the nicknames to. That's so cute. <laughs> Um, we learned that Saeed is back, uh, which we knew, but then it's like, it's just this moment of like, Walt one, Sawyer zero. <laughs> like, Walt looks so <laughs> triumphant. It's hilarious. And also, thank God that Saeed's back. And that people yeah. care. So Sawyer and Saeed. Uh, Saeed is like, genuinely afraid. <laughs> um, and they talk a little bit about uh, karma. And we learn that Sawyer has to walk to the caves every single day to get his medicine because Jack doesn't trust him, which 
fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, I could probably hurt you right now. And he's like, well, whatever. I left out of shame. So go ahead. We've kind of talked about how Saeed would probably welcome that, honestly, because he still feels really bad about what he did. And then uh, Saeed has met the French woman. Uh, most of this is just exposition that we already know. But you know what's good about it? The exposition, though, is that, that I think that it shows one of the clear uh, changes in Sawyer and sort of his... Mm-hmm. his the one of the good things about him is that he comes in there like being like, I'm going to get my revenge. But really quickly, he gets derailed from <laughs> he's that. Like, learning? He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a book in person form? Let me read you. <laughs> like, you know, he, That's so cute. Tell me a story. Yeah, he's much more interested oh, in concrete like information and actually talking this through with Saeed and yeah. actually having a real conversation that he is in, in, in getting his like petty revenge, you know? I wonder if Sawyer sort of recognizes a kindred spirit in Saeed. Yeah, I think so. I think that's yeah. A, yeah. Um, like two people who actually like are interested in getting something done, you know, like yeah. and, and and I th- yeah. and, and some darkness inside of them too as well. This obviously also speaking of like getting things done, like this this has one of my like unofficial favorite lines of the episode when Sawyer is like so like Said is like so something dark was surrounding me in the jungle and and Sawyer is like oh what was it and Said is like stop asking me questions I can't give you the answers to I cannot and believe like, him in this moment that was a fine question like what is wrong especially, with that question especially because he wasn't even saying ooh what was it he was saying what did it sound like oh yeah yeah that's, such like, an like, that's a perfectly good question you could have answered it was 100%. he would have been like ah well it kind of sounded like whispers but I don't know. Exactly. Like, this is one of the ways in which Lost is just infuriating. And I, I know I tweeted about this as well. I'm just, like, repeating my own tweet. But, like, it's <laughs> because there are so many ways in which these characters or so many instances in which these characters could just open up and share information and be, like, actual logical about this. But because they want to prolong the mysteries and because the writers don't know what's making those sounds in the jungle <laughs> at this point, he's yeah. just like, I can't answer that question. Stop asking me. And it's just, it's infuriating, but also I wonder, I wonder if this is Saeed being like, well, if I tell you, then you're going to think I'm crazy just like the, like, is That's he going to tell everybody, like, I'm going to look like a moron or whatever. So I wonder if, like, be. maybe he has reasons. I don't know. But it was just so, it was the moment, like, when you, you know, black and white, those those lines are just really dumb, you yeah. know, because it's not yeah, actually yeah. a question that he can't answer. It's just, it's so um, obviously and clumsily, like, a writer, like, patch over. Yeah. Yes. Like, Sorry, Javi. We still is. love you. Love you, Javi. <laughs> We learned that the tide is coming, and it's kind of sweet because then Sawyer's like, I kept your signal fire burning, and it's I like, know. please be friends. Please be friends. That's not um, a bad guy, really. <laughs> we have Walt and Hurley, these, these two guys who just really want to play games, finally get to play <laughs> games together. Uh, they're playing backgammon. Walt's saying that he's lucky, and that Brian used to tell him that he was, like, the luckiest person in the world, and then that's when we're like, oh, okay, and now everyone's like, oh, gotcha, okay, I see this, yeah. Brian. Do you think that he said that without thinking? Like, it was kind of just like, yeah, my dad said this, and then he's like, oh, oops, and you think my dad is a different person. Yeah, I definitely do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I wasn't very good when I first started playing either. I didn't just start playing. I took 17th in a tournament once. 17th is not very good. No, 17th is very good. And I'm like, what is a backgammon tournament? (laughs) And why did Hurley get involved in that? 17th isn't very good. And he's like, um, no, yeah, it is. I didn't even tell you what it was out of, though. Out of 100? 
maybe i don't know maybe 18 18. (laughs) he's like do you want to play double or nothing he's like no i have a meeting and you're like a meeting with who who? all the principal characters meeting by the way no Uh, i don't think so i think he just made it up he was just like i need a reason to go and i'm too awkward to say i want to go i'm really glad that hurley and walt finally hung out yeah Yeah. they're like two big kids yeah all right uh so now talking about boone and Locke. They have split off by themselves, and Boone is mentioning red shirts and how they always die. Um, Locke literally hands Boone the red shirt. A yeah. red shirt. Yep. Yeah. Now yep. here's the sad yep. thing: Robin doesn't get this reference. I oh, do. No. So. <laughs> yes, have I you do. ever seen Star Trek, Robin? No, I haven't, but I know what it means. <laughs> Everyone knows this reference. But yeah, she's never I'm not seen dumb. Star Trek. It makes me so sad. Also, I have a lot more to talk about it in the spoily section. All right. <laughs> Something I noticed when I was watching this morning, it's like he rips off a giant strip and ties it around. I'm like, boy, you are going to run out of shirt. I know. You're going to need to take off your own shirt to tie it around trees. I mean, I feel there's a lot of people out there who wouldn't mind that visual. I mean, go ahead. (laughs) It's already really tight for some reason. (laughs) It's called fashion. Look it up. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So he's like, Okay, Mr. Locke. And he's like, my name's John. And it's like, oh, they're friends now. They're friends um, now. He thinks he's a taxidermist slash hitman. This is such a beautiful moment. Like, I just love it so much. I worked at a box company. He's like, really? He's like, yeah, they made boxes. What do you do in the real world, Mr. Locke? It's John. John? Why don't you guess? Well, you're either a taxidermist or a hitman. <laughs> I was a... Uh... Regional collection supervisor for a box company. A box company? And they made boxes. Yeah, right. I know. And Boone doesn't believe it. And Locke, you can see how happy that makes him like you can see the way that he first of all the way that he admits it first of all i think is like a very vulnerable moment for Locke because Mm -hmm. he's like here's this kid who really admires me like finally Locke is in this position of being admired by someone who you know in a way is a lot like his boss you know like Mm -hmm. like at the box company but here is this like popular attractive tight shirts young man who who (laughs) who thinks that Locke is really cool and Locke sort of ultimately opens up and is like you know what I'm not actually that cool and hoping that whatever he's doing on the island is enough and then the fact that Boone is like rejects the possibility that Locke was ever a quote-unquote loser like that like like it's so heartbreaking because it it is kind of rejecting like the real Locke in a way, but it's also mm-hmm. just so sweet to see how happy that Locke is that it is so unbelievable that he could be so boring because look how how awesome he is on this island, you know, and, and it's just <sighs> And the fact that oh, you can Locke. just see that through mm-hmm. Terry for the for those mm-hmm. like, I don't know, four lines or whatever. Yeah. Terry is so good. Terry so Terry good. Terry won Terry won an Emmy. Yeah, for his he did for his portrayal of Locke, fully, like completely deserved because so Terry's deserved. incredible. I have mm-hmm. this list, and right now there's two people on it. That's kind of like 
people who are on TV shows who don't get to smile enough but have, like, some of the most beautiful smiles in the world. And Terry is one yeah. of those people. So when, when Locke gets to smile, I'm always like, oh, Terry's so pretty. I love Terry. The other person is Rain Wilson because Dwight never gets to smile in the office. <laughs> Rain Wilson? I was Aww. not expecting that. Like, go on, watch the bloopers for The Office, and, like, that guy, he should smile more. <laughs> for sure. They're so cute. I love them. <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. I was like, it's going to be <laughs> Richard Harmon, right? Like, ah! Richard smiles sometimes, I guess. <laughs> um, either way, it's been 15 minutes since they've seen anything. Uh, we learned that Boone runs a wedding subsidiary for his mother, whose name is Sabrina. Fun fact. She a teenage witch. Uh, <laughs> He's like, I guess it doesn't really matter who's running it now. So Boone has this mullet going on, which I assume <laughs> is just like, you know, in 16 days, he didn't get a haircut. He's like, it's going to rain in one minute. And he's like, okay, uh, sure. He's like, you should turn back now and then you'll get back before dark. Boone decides not to. Now they're a team. It's very sweet. Um, and that's when it begins to rain. I, I timed it. Do you want to know how long it took to rain? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it only took 30 seconds. Oh, <laughs> give or take a well, few it's seconds, a TV or minute. maybe not. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. Yeah, it's definitely a TV minute. Yeah, Locke is just you know loving the rain because this is such. This is just beautiful. I love this so much. Yeah, this is again uh, him becoming one with the island. You know, like mm-hmm. the island is speaking to him, and he is able to listen to it. And it's and and again he's 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 proving to Boone you know, to the world, to the ones who previously pushed him down, how much in his element he is now. And it must be really freeing as someone who, like, the world has always kept down to finally feel embraced by this environment for the first time. And literally looked down upon. Yeah, literally, like, he's he's home here. Mm -hmm. He is somebody. Oh, my God, lock story. (laughs) Every time I'm like... (laughs) It I'm has to be one of the saddest sure. stories on television. It has to I be. Know. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Absolutely. But because he found himself the minute he landed on this island, unlike most of the other characters who felt, yeah. quote-unquote, so lost. Ironically, <laughs> Jack, uh, Boone, and Locke say the word lost a bunch of times in, in this episode. Mm-hmm. The last one that we have is that Shannon is just really worried about Boone. Kate says, it's okay, he'll be fine. Yeah, no Bechdel test for you guys. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, we have Boone and Locke. He's like, we're not lost. Don't you feel it? And Boone's like, hard no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Boone's like, I'm going to go back. And then they drop the flashlight on this yeah. metal thing. It's oh not the piece of the God. plane. They're going to dig this out. It's the hatch. We're finally here to the hatch. It's the line. arc, you guys. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, the phenomenon around the hatch when they first found the hatch was one of the coolest things I've ever, ever seen in pop culture. Yeah. Everyone yeah. was just obsessed with what's in the hatch, what's in the hatch. And it's like the answer yes. is a big spoiler, so I can't say my punchline. <laughs> I mean, at this point, the writers didn't know what was in the hatch. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, true, true. It must. I wonder if it was a little bit of a letdown to be like, oh, it's that. Oh. I... Mm, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think it was. I think it was no. because it just opened up again. No spoilers, but it, as with everything on Lost, it just opened up more questions, right? So yeah. like, it. I. I think it was different from what most people were expecting, but that was a good thing because you know you you don't really want to 
always be able to figure out what's going to happen, right? So, like, I remember the reveal being very satisfying. Oh, that's so delightful. Yeah. It was a good time. <laughs> uh, now it's time for flashbacks. So the first flashback that we get is Jack in surgery. And they're, you know, things are going badly. They're using the defibrillator. It's still not working. Tries CPR. Still not working. The girl dies. Christian is yelling at Jack from across the room. I wish that Christian would just stop. <laughs> just, well, so that's so probably Jack. it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, th- those are all my thoughts is... Christian, please stop. That's it. You know, um, I have a fun fact. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This is the first time that we're seeing St. Sebastian's, the hospital that they work at. It ends up being a really important location throughout the whole series. So, this Wait, is St. Sebastian's. Is that this is the place fact. where the thing happens that makes everyone on the whole planet cry? Probably. About, oh, um, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, right? Uh, yes. It involves a vending machine. Yes, I know. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. my God. Yes. Anyway, you know what? When I when I first watched this flashback scene, and I think a couple of times, like including this rewatch, because it's been so long since I watched the show last, like I re- I forget that it's Christian. Like, like I forget the whole context for this. So I'm always mm-hmm. like, Jack, like don't be such a brat. Like call your own death. Like you know what I mean? Like he's just right. like you know Christian is like call it Jack, and he's like no, you call it, and I'm like, but yeah. why? <laughs> And obviously it makes sense in context, but I'm always just like, ugh, Jack. Call your own death, you baby. <laughs> so we learned that Jack took over from Christian, um, mm. but the hospital called him. Uh, a nurse came for Jack to tell him that his father's hands were shaking. And he's like, if I was in a restaurant, why did they call you? And he's like, how many drinks do you have at the restaurant, dad? And you're oh like, my God. ooh, snap. It's wild. But it's also it is it is fun because you do see later on like the re- clearly Christian Shepherd is a very respected, honorable yes. or honored I should say like doctor and Jack is relatively new and so when Christian is like you know they wanted me not you he's obviously playing on his seniority and the fact that he yeah. is genuinely very good to get to the place where he is now and and Jack is sort of the young inexperienced more um righteous sure, <laughs> that yeah. is the right word but it's not the one I'm, yeah. I'm looking for but you know what i mean like the more idealistic yeah. uh person who who the nurses you know the the hospital wants christian but the nurses go for jack because they right. recognize like the grit and and honor of of that character so i thought that was a really interesting detail I wonder what the actual protocol is for them calling you and you being like, sorry, I've had like three drinks. I shouldn't do that. Like, is that what you, is that just what you do? And then they call somebody else. I'm sure that's a fireball offense though. Yeah. Right? Like if you're Mm -hmm. on the clock, you can't drink. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I wonder if he was like specifically on call then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. He's hundred percent in the wrong here. Just in every way. Mm -hmm. What a shock. What a shock. <laughs> I also really like that, like, um, Jack's the really passionate one. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that Christian kind of is, like, he's gotten to that point in, in his career where he just kind of just sees people as, like, objects. Mm-hmm. And Jack yeah. doesn't. So, You're like, so that right, yeah. also plays into, like, what Selena was saying earlier about, like, Jack's detachment and, like, not trying to, like, attach to people is, like, that's what, if he, if he had succeeded at that, he would have become Christian. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think a part of him and that's again, funnily enough, like this this episode is all about him sort of confronting that part of his past where he is a part of him 
still see you know it's it's hard for him to let go of of the hero worship that he has done of Christian in the past and 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 I think that that Jack sort of in the idea that he's grown up with of what a good doctor should be it's Christian mm-hmm. Shepherd it's not himself mm-hmm. and so when he that's also why it was so hard for him and he almost went along with Christian's like scheme is because he was almost convinced and I think when he lands on the island at first he's still almost convinced like fresh off of his father's death and full of fresh guilt about what happened like he kind of probably part of him wants to try to be like his dad even though that's not who he is and it's he just doesn't have what it takes you know Mm -hmm. he doesn't have what it takes no he doesn't and he but but that's also that's the 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 good side of his stubbornness and his inability to let go is that it also extends to his feelings maybe what it takes is just being garbage (laughs) (laughs) everyone's like i love every character on lost but then you get to christian and and like charles widmore and you're like it's like no not you though (laughs) yeah my big no thank you is to a big a big no thank you to martin kimi yeah. Oh, yeah. Big oh, God. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> the next one that we have is Jack coming in to sign this report. Basically, it's just saying, oh, we couldn't save her like that. We tried our best. Something that Lostpedia pointed out to me was that notice the colors of the jackets that they're wearing. Jack is coming in with his white doctor's mm-hmm. jacket and there's Christian in his black Jacket, yeah so. yeah i mean and and the, the the entire way that the scene is 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 framed and lit as well mm-hmm. like it's so intense like christian shepherd is cast in shadows in the scene yeah. to, in a way that's almost too much you know like but i yeah. think it kind of it, it's on the right side of of too much but but barely but in the way that it's so clear that here's this character who is like literally you know the one corrupting jack you know, yeah. here is Jack, who is, as we said, you know, a good person. And here is this force of darkness, basically, quote unquote, Christian shepherd is, <laughs> yeah, you know, Satan, for lack of a better word, um, in, in the scene to Jack's like genuinely good person. And, and the entire thing with the hand on his shoulder, drawing oh him in, gosh. drawing him to the dark side. Like, it's all so... The imagery is so on point. There's this point where he's like, Jack, you're on the hook too here. If you talk about that, they'll strip me of my license. And Jack goes, yeah, they will. And honestly, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what you deserve. And Mm -hmm. that's when he's like, okay, let's change tactics. Here's Mm -hmm. a monologue of compliments about you. And I'm like, gross. You were part of a team, Jack. I'm not the only one on the hook for this. You called me off. You were the surgeon of record when she died. Accidents happen in surgeries all the time, Jack. That's the truth, and you know it. But if you contradict this report, if you mention alcohol, well, that's the only fact that's going to matter. They'll strip me of my license. Yes, they will. I know. I have been hard on you. But that is how you make a soft metal into steel. That is why you are the most gifted young surgeon in this city. It kind of <laughs> makes me wonder, like, if Christian ever truly loved his son. Because yeah. a good parent yeah. and a good person would not do this to their child. Yeah. He's just using his child as an asset. I think he honestly, he sees Jack as, like, a legacy. He doesn't see Jack as a person. Yeah. Jack represents like Christian's like reputation 
to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if if he ever needed like a you know a kidney transplant or anything like that, he would uh, want Jacks. Yep. He yeah. would use Jack as like is. his clone. Absolutely. <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to point out was that. Christian says the phrase the greater good which is uh, the name of another episode in this season and actually is kind of a theme slash thing that keeps popping up uh, in the show as well just the the greater good yes yeah and this is again a thing where you know we you might see the influence of Lawson on a show like the hundred you know mm. where we have this this overarching conflict between the greater good and the sort of individual yeah. day-to-day like this is you know this is the the abby kane jaw conflict all over again yep um and many others on the hundred but but particularly that one i felt like a really strong resonance because it's either arguing for the people or for the soul of the people mm, yeah which is there's this gross thing that christian says which is like i had to sacrifice parts of my relationship with you for so that all these people could live and i'm like what does that even mean yeah what? like molding him into a tool to use yeah you know, exactly he's good. like it, yeah. it won't happen again and what you're doing is you're not just ruining my career you're ruining my whole life and that's like what it ends up being too mm. and jack decides to sign and and oh there's this it's so gross because then he goes thank you son and it's like don't thank me I already feel <laughs> gross about it. Like, if that was me, I'd be like, shut up, and I'd just leave. Like, <laughs> like, whatever, we don't talk about this. You're not my real dad. <laughs> the next one we see is there in the hallway, and fun fact, there's an editing issue where if you watch uh, the background, the janitor walks by twice. Oh. <laughs> um, fun. Just a thing. He's talking to the nurse. She's saying that that man is the husband of the lady who died. He's planning on potentially suing us. And then he sees the hand on the shoulder, which is exactly what Christian just did to him. And he's like, no, what? I did not pick up on that until this viewing. Like, I'm very ashamed. Like, I never made the connection to the hand and the hand. I was just like, I thought it was the the pregnancy that. Oh, yeah. That clinched it for Jack. But obviously it was seeing him use the same tactic, like realizing that he'd been manipulated. Mm-hmm. But I just feel dumb because I didn't realize that until just now. <laughs> I didn't realize it until Robin said it, so. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so they're with this this committee, and Christian does his big speech about heroism and blah, 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 and his, like, professional opinion, and you're like, your opinion is garbage. And they're like, okay, Christian, sorry about this formality, hm, right? This sucks. Blah, blah. Mm. He's like, did you know that she was pregnant? And he's like, yes, I did. And Jack's like, I super didn't. Mm-hmm. It was information Yikes. I was not privy to. And he's like, well, it was early in the pregnancy, so we had to focus on the mother. And he's like, okay, let me revise my statement. Alcohol, the fact that he, like, severed the artery or whatever, that's why she died. And then we have these Jack and Christian close shots. And I'm sitting here thinking, what is the committee doing? Like, <laughs> I'm watching wanna, them. All I want is like a wide shot of the rest of the committee going, ooh, yeah, drama. Like everyone reacting. <laughs> I want them reacting like a telenovela, though. So it's like, I know. Yes. <laughs> <gasps> no. Yes, that's what I wanted, and, like, literally I was waiting for it, and then they just, like, cut away, and I was like, no, but what does that one guy think? I know. Another thing is that we learned that this is the thing that Jack's mother was referring to in White Rabbit. She says, you have to go get him because I can't believe you're doing this not after what you did, and so this is what she was talking about. Yeah. All in all, Jack didn't have a happy childhood. 
<laughs> yeah, poor Jack. But like, it is tough though because I think you know. Again, it's a, it's a testament to the writing and to the acting and, and directing and everything. How much you feel the conflict here because there is clearly a right and a wrong in this situation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Jack does the right thing. But at the same time, he's also stabbing his dad in the back. Like I know it's it's the, his dad's own fault, but but he is ruining his dad's life. Yeah, and yeah. you you can argue, of course, and you should that it is Christian who is ruining his own life, and Jack is doing. The right thing but it is also a case of loyalty you know where does jack's loyalty lie and where does he how far is he willing to go for his family and clearly mm -hmm. he is choosing the uh, you know ironically he's choosing the greater good over the individual and i think that that it is sort of it is tough because you can only imagine like if you were in that situation you know would you really be able to in front of a committee Of, of people, you know, would you be able to, to turn over someone that you, you loved despite everything else and, and you know just, just sort of realized? give them up, you know? Mm -hmm. He just, he's like, sorry, dad, I'm sacrificing my relationship with you so that patients can live. Oh my <gasps> God. That's exactly what I was like. said that. <laughs> like Jack, Jack does what Christian says he does. Like Christian's yeah. like, yeah, I do things for the greater good. And Jack's like, I'm actually going to do things for the greater good. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And But that also, is a lot what he's all about in the in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um did anyone here watch House? Mm, no. Oh, I was gonna say, you know what hospital administrator would not let anyone get away with this? Lisa Cuddy. <laughs> <laughs> But no one gets that. Someone will. <laughs> someone will, someone's listening and someone they're going will get it. Yes, someone will get it. Like, Finally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now it's time for our favorite line awards. So my favorite line this episode goes to Sawyer and Walt for... And why am I getting the evening news from a six-year-old? I'm 10. Okay. Then it must be true. <laughs> and my honorable mention also goes to Sawyer. Surprise for... Sorry. Fresh out of sweet forgiveness. And mine goes to Boone for... They teach you how to predict the weather in a box company? <laughs> And, uh, and mine is uh, from Walt and Hurley on the beach when Hurley is walking away. You owe me $20,000! You'll get it. And I <laughs> laughed and laughed. For spoiler reasons. <laughs> so we now have our segment. So the first one we're going into is light and dark. So I pointed out the jackets in that one scene. What else we got? Uh, the fact that it's light out and then as soon as... It's very dark in that little like valley where. I was just Jack about to say that one. <laughs> like, sorry, sorry. I'll shut up. Keep it. Go ahead. Think of some. That was the one I thought of. So, thanks a lot. <laughs> Christian in <laughs> shadow. Yes, definitely yeah. a lot of light and darkness in that scene. Um, a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, mm. sure. <laughs> yeah. So for man of science, man of faith, I'm gonna start just naming characters, and you guys tell me what you think. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. For this episode, Jack. Mm. A little bit of both. Yeah. yeah. Heart, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally, totally. Uh, how about Locke? Faith. Yeah. For faith. sure. Well, um, yeah, faith. I, I faith think with faith. a little bit of logic. Because I think... Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and taking the time to, to sit back is also a sign of faith that he has that time. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Kate? Science? Science. Yeah. Uh, Boone? <laughs> faith. Redshirt. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. Um, how about Walt? Hmm. Walt's difficult. Knowing about Walt later. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um, Hurley. Uh, I would say 
space? Maybe? Yeah. I guess so. He doesn't do a lot, so he yeah. <laughs> just makes jokes this episode. Uh, how about Sawyer? Science. Yeah. And Saeed? Science. And Michael? Science. <laughs> no, Faith. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> he's kind of he's going in the other direction all right <laughs> and i would south. say charlie but i feel like charlie isn't either he's just kind of man of blank he's stares right now yeah yeah man have had a really bad day yeah yes. yeah so for the music portion basically i think this is potentially the first time that we hear the life and death theme it is oh uh, yeah is it the first time yeah i, don't I remember think so hearing it's, it before, it's the but, one at least it's the one where you hear the most of it because it really yeah. hits you yeah. Um, so the music that's playing during the scene with Charlie and hitting him on, in the chest and everything, that's the life and death theme. It's a huge thing. <laughs> Remember it. It's so it. beautiful. And it's like, it's also part of why it's such a good fake out. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. every part of that scene suggests that, yes, Charlie did die there. Because then did. when there is deaths <laughs> later, they use the same music. Yeah. And you think, uh oh. Is mm-hmm. this a fake out too, or is it real? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this also the one where they have that track called "Charlie Hangs Around"? Yeah. God, Michael Cipino is, really is like a genius. No. <laughs> He's such a dork. He always just names things like puns. That's yeah. all they are. He's such a. He I, has a field day with Locke, just making Locke puns. Oh, well, I love like the atmosphere that he adds to the show because actually atmosphere is the wrong word because I feel like he actually adds like the music as another character. Like, the music yes, is part absolutely. of the storyline. It's, it's like the music just... and the island are kind of the same character. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. exactly right. Like, it's not quite tangible, but it's totally real. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. some shows just sort of have, like, atmospheric music and not really themes. But, like, this one, yeah. like, the music hits you right where you live. Yeah. Like, again, it's one of the ways it revolutionized television because it was one of the first shows to really sort of give the theme its proper, like, do. Mm-hmm. Like when you you know that it's going to be a Hurley scene when you hear bum 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 bum. Yes, <laughs> that's the Hurley. You know, dum dum da da dum dum. Now they're taking a track. <gasps> I yep. love that one the most. That's the adventure theme. That's my favorite one too. And then this one, it's just da 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 da, da. and you're like, oh, okay, so guess beautiful. time for tears. Guess I'm gonna cry yeah. now. <laughs> yep. The next segment is called "Did they do the thing?" And no, they didn't do the thing. What was okay. the thing? I, yeah, I have to admit, thing? at this point, I can't remember what the thing is. Oh, the thing is when they say the, the title in the episode. Thank you. Oh. They definitely did not do the thing. But they do say the title of the show a bunch. That's yeah. true. How many episodes since the last knockout? Reset the counters, friends. Somebody got kicked in the face today. <laughs> <laughs> we should really keep a tally of, like, who takes the most hits, because I think yeah. so far it's Saeed. Yeah, Saeed for sure, so far. And then maybe Sawyer. Yeah. Uh, poor soy sauce. <laughs> poor soy soy. This week we have some listener thoughts from Scott. Hey, Robin and Brittany, this is Scott from the Lower Mainland. Finally sending you guys in a voicemail for all the best cowboys. Have daddy issues. Uh, this episode's got to be one of the reasons why season one's so awesome. They pack so much stuff into this one episode. We learn that Jack's dad's a drunk. Jack threw him under the bus and probably got him kicked out of the hospital and lost his job and his license. And then all of a sudden, oh, holy crap, okay, so Ethan's a horrible person. We learned that, so hopefully not actually representing Canada on that one, but 
whatever. I remember the first time I watched this, I was sitting there when we found out that Charlie was hanging going, oh, geez, are they actually going to kill off a main character like this early already? And just sitting there just like, holy crap, this is actually happening. This is actually happening. And then, of course, Jack being Mr. Superhero has to pull him down and saves him, which is good because Charlie lives. But, of course, it's Jack that has to do it. And that's just, well, one of my issues with Jack over the whole thing. But, no, this episode's so awesome. We learned so much stuff in just one hour like okay so the others are horrible people like we knew they took alex but we kind of thought that maybe okay that was a one-off but no okay so they took claire and is she alive is she dead and well they tried to kill charlie so there's that too so and then the one thing i picked up on um and just watching it again you kind of realize it again is when they're talking to charlie in the caves and he said they not just Ethan but they wanted Claire so is there more does Charlie know there's more like what what's going on and then just the ending just the last the last minute like oh here we'll just throw in hey look we found this hatch thing in the middle of the forest like what's that like ah this is this is why season one was just so awesome and there was no filler it was just such a good good season um so yeah uh wait to hear what you guys think and uh thanks for listening and i will try and catch you guys next episode okay bye thank you to scott for sending in his thoughts if anyone else has some more thoughts you can send a audio clip to evictionautospodcast at gmail.com stay tuned for our segment after the outro we'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers so proceed with caution Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. We covered all of season four and we'll be talking about season five next year. We really like talking about that show. Yes, yes, you can tell. <laughs> what? I'm I, shocked. Oh my God, I for, we forgot to talk about it. <laughs> if you're a fan we didn't of talk about it at all. <laughs> we'll talk about it even more. Um yeah. if you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too and we will be start restarting our Riverdale podcast when it launches on October 1st. Oh my god, sure, that's sure. next month. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yikes. Okay. Um you can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr. We're around. And our but we're mostly around on Twitter. Um, yeah. our Patreon is patreon.com/theaficionados. Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end because someone has the non-underscore one and I'm mad about it. <laughs> uh, we want to thank Selena so much for being on this episode. Yay! Yay! Where can we find you on thank the you internet? Thank you for having me. Well, um, you can find me on Hypable.com, which is H-Y-P-A-B-L-E.com. I cover the hundred and actually also other things, you guys. It's not all wow. I talk about. And you should go read her writing, though, because it's so good. <laughs> oh, thank you. I just recently uh, wrapped up covering a season of Game of Thrones. I have a bunch of, of uh, stupid articles about shipping and Sansa <laughs> and whatever the hell I care about on that show. And you can go read those articles. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, which is at Selena Wilkin. And I tweet way too much. For just enough. Next episode is episode 112, whatever the case may be. And we'll have Selena back for that Yay! one. Yay! Uh, okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. Gonna talk spoilers. It's like we right. do the outro and then we wait and then we're like, Okay, now everyone just breathe and we can talk about spoilers. Yes. <laughs>
So welcome to the spoiler section. Selena, why don't you start with a list of characters that you also love that, like some of your favorite characters that yes. we haven't seen yet. Oh, okay. Um, mm, God, everyone. Like, I Ben Linus is yes, obviously yep. like fantastic. I love Ben Linus, and I. You know what is funny about Juliet? Because I feel like she's also one that everyone loves. And like when I when she was first introduced in season three, I hated her so. I didn't much. like her what? either. I didn't I like her. Hated either. her because what? she was so condescending. You know, like in that in season three, in the first part of season three, which is generally kind of shady and hard for me um <laughs> like when when she's like with jack and he's in that cage and he's like again with the questions what am i doing here why have you trapped me why yeah, what is yeah. happening and she's like mm, jack here's some food just stay calm and i'm like how dare you woman like this you know you have you're keeping a man in prison he deserves to know why so that like really frustrated me but then as soon as 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 jack got out and as soon as we began to learn more about her i just i fell mm. in love with her obviously and and i like loved her by the end but that you know when she's first introduced i feel like they do her such a disservice because they let her be this like manipulative like sort of condescending person and i yeah like, was and we totally, totally realized that it's that ben sense. by the end yeah exactly exactly yeah so um but no i love her and i really liked alex and mm-hmm. it's very traumatic for me and i feel like you know sun and sun and jin weren't in this episode at all but like i obviously no. love them they're like my favorites and um yeah i don't know i'm yeah. forgetting all the characters who else Where oh are miles i love miles yes D- oh my god <laughs> well, i was like I she's gonna like remember <laughs> Like in a way, this was his first episode, right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess it was. Yeah. Um. So he doesn't count, but yeah, no. Obviously, Desmond. Oh my God! Like I love him. So now that we're in the spoiler section, we're just gonna go over the numbers that we found in this episode real quick. Um. One thing that I did want to bring up because I'm just like staring at my notes from the previous episode is that Claire's offered twelve thousand dollars to like get her a baby adopted, and twelve thousand is four thousand plus eight thousand. Oh, wow. Eh? <laughs> All right. Wow. Well, either way. That was a reach, my friend. <laughs> I know. Jack says it's like four o'clock and he says it's 425. So four is a mm. number. Kate says that she spent eight hours hunting deer with her dad. Walt blows on the dice four times before rolling. Do you, like some of this stuff is like you never know what's actually planned and what's not. Yeah. Like did the script well, say yeah, blow here's four the times? Big one. Yeah. The big one is that Jack's like punches Charlie's chest 23 times before like originally giving up. What? And then he punches it nine more times. It's like eight more times, and then Mm. plus one is the one that works. (laughs) All right. (laughs) You could say, oh, he punched him eight times, uh, or like eight punches didn't work, (laughs) you know? And then the last one did just to to make it extra numbery. That's a reach, Your Honor. I know. Now I'm going to move into some of the other points that I've got here that aren't numbers. Locke says he didn't want something to happen to the only trained physician on the island when actually there are three trained physicians on the island. Who wants to guess them or name them? Wait, one's Juliet. Yeah, one's Jack. Ethan? Yeah. Wait, what? (laughs) Ethan was? He's a doctor. Ethan's a doctor. Guys, remember how I said I forgot everything about this show? This is one of those <laughs> moments. <laughs> I'm, like, proud that I remember that, to be honest. Damn. Walt is talking to Sawyer and saying maybe there are lots of others on the island. Is this Ooh. Locke being special and just knowing? 
I mean, Walt. No. <laughs> I was like, what's going on in her brain right now? <laughs> I don't know. Walt well, we never really know, though, the because they never fully answer the question of Walt. So I don't yeah. really know. That's the thing that drives me the most nuts about this show. Nothing yeah, else does except Walt. for what the hell was Walt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next one I have is Star Trek. So let me just read you this fabulous thing in Lostpedia about the Star Trek thing. Boone describes the origins and fates of the red shirts who traveled with Captain Kirk and Spock to Locke. Locke states that Captain Kirk is a poor captain. Ironically, Locke's poor self-centered leadership is to blame for Boone's death later this season and the deaths of at least three others seen in the shape of things to come. In the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, the Pegasus, Terry O'Quinn, plays a Starfleet admiral who, as a captain, suffered mutiny due to his poor leadership skills. Yes, he does. (laughs) And he looks like a, like, it's weird because he looks like an old man baby in that episode, too. Yeah. Because I don't know if Terry O'Quinn ever looked like... I think he went from, like, child to, like, 40-year-old man. Yeah. <laughs> Kate is talking about how her dad was in the army, but we know that that's not... That wasn't actually her father. Uh, she just grew up with him thinking that he was her father. Yeah, we see him in a Saeed episode uh, because we army. She should have gone, oh, my other dad, like Walt. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. True, true. <laughs> That'd be funny. That would have been awesome. Walt talking about Brian, who comes up in an episode called Special that's coming up. Hurley saying, you'll get it, because we know that Hurley's actually super rich. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. That's, <laughs> like, my favorite Hurley twist is, like, oh, yeah, he's actually, like, super, super, super wealthy because he won the mm-hmm. lottery. Yeah. That's the best Hurley thing. <laughs> I know. I was going to say about Walt, too, that, that his luck as well is an interesting thing, because we know, obviously... Hurley's big trauma is his his luck slash unluck. So the fact mm-hmm. that they're talking about how lucky Walt is must be yeah. somewhere inside of him, like, stirring up some things. And, like, is the luck Walt being special, too? Like, we just still don't know. Mm-hmm. And, like, was Walt, maybe, was Walt only special because the island, like, gave him that specialness? He was special beforehand. Like, yeah, Brian wants to thing. give Walt away to Michael because he's like, that kid freaks me out. Mm-hmm. But I, it kind of makes me wonder if, like, the island always had, like, a little bit of oh, a pull I see. on Walt. Right, because Walt ends up, like, helping run the island with Hurley and Ben. Exactly. Yeah. I have two more points. Myself, at least. Um, the first one is... If there's anyone on this island that your brother's safe with, it's Locke. <laughs> and, uh, yikes. <laughs> Sorry about it. The big question that I had, though, was... Desmond ends up telling Charlie that he's going to have to die. He's going to keep saving him and he's going to, you know, eventually it's going to catch up with him. Do you think this is the first time that the island tries to kill Charlie? Yeah. It's such a good question, though, because then what brings him back? Because I think that the island brings Charlie back here. You know, like, I think that this is the island either rewarding Jack for not giving up or bringing Charlie back because it's not Charlie's time yet. Yeah, they're like, oh, we thought, but then we, nah, we'll take it back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like the island is still kind of sussing out like everyone and, you know, trying to figure out like who's useful and who's not useful. And I think at this point, Charlie has already kind of survived a couple of, of different things that should have killed him. And I think that this is really yeah. is the island. But it either, you know, it could also have nothing to do with Charlie at all because you know that Jack is one of the people... Yeah. That is being sussed out, and he needs this win right now. 
mm-hmm. and bringing Charlie back is is giving Jack maybe a little bit of that faith that he doesn't have a lot of to begin with. Yeah, what would that do to Jack if Charlie had died? Exactly, yeah. exactly. He he needed Charlie to live, and so Charlie lived. So it's a little bit of magic thinking on Jack's part. Which is like it it kind of plays in like the whole the island sort of basically determines how you live and die. Yeah. Which yeah. is a terrifying thought. Completely, yeah. But that's like part of the reason why it's such a terrible place and why it's such a, a, a horror, a, like, you know, playground in a way. <laughs> yeah. And I think I it's, it's it really that. interesting. <laughs> oh, a horror playground. With Ben <laughs> yeah. Linus on it, absolutely, yes. I yeah. mean... <laughs> the cages, guys, the cages. Those are all my points. Anybody else got anything to say? What were we talking about that we had a big revelation about? <gasps> um, uh, one sec. I know that I put something in here. I... Oh, we were talking about Ethan and how he was fighting with Jack. And why did I have to say this? Oh, because like, okay, so the Ethan that was fighting with Jack, was that the man in black? No. Mm. I mean, but oh. He... Could have been. Oh, you're saying, right, because we thought it might be like a... Uh, like a vision. A vision. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. And I had a huge thing about this and I don't remember what it was. What else were we talking about? Um, we were talking about how like it wasn't quite real. How Kate didn't see it. Ethan was born was was born on the island. Ethan. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to name all the things I know about Ethan now. Ethan's <laughs> a doctor. Ethan. <sighs> keeps coming back. Ethan. Born on the island too. Amy and Horace. Good speed, Rom. Crap. Man, I had a big thing. Do you guys remember me being like, oh my god, I have something to say, and I don't remember what it was. I was thinking about Ben at the time. Ben. <laughs> well, it, it is just about what who is, is being used by the island and who has the ability to use the island for their own purposes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think that's what that what's gonna happen is I'm going to edit this episode and then be like, <laughs> you're gonna be oh, like, <laughs> so I will edit put yourself it- in saying it, and then we'll be like, oh my god, you're so right, you're a genius. I think that <laughs> since we'll all be here next week, I will edit it and then I will write down specifically what I'm thinking and I will put it in the spoiler section next episode okay. and we can okay. talk Sounds about good. it. Because I'm sure I'll remember as soon as I, as soon as like one person says one thing and then I'll go, ooh, I have something to say. Mm-hmm. So. In general, though, I do think that there is something, there's a really interesting dynamic or dichotomy here going like who are the key players and who is the island using to, you know, to manipulate others. Like the island is obviously manipulating them in mm-hmm. a way just like Christian Shepherd was manipulating Jack. This mm-hmm. is a big manipulation of Jack. And if you see this as a Jack-centric episode also on the island, then I think everything that happens with Ethan and with Charlie is part of the island positioning Jack in a certain way. And it's obviously it's leading Jack one way and it's leading Locke the other way because Locke has another purpose. And so I think that's really, really interesting and, and sort of speaks to the fact that the island needed Jack to believe and used charlie maybe as a pawn to that end and and kate is interesting because she doesn't she's an independent agent like you said as well on her own so she's able to exist outside of this manipulation and 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 try to assert her own opinion which is really interesting mm-hmm. ah i love this yeah the thing that okay i have two questions is okay. one can jacob take different forms or is that just the man in black I wonder if maybe he could, but chooses not to. 
Um, but also, the Man in Black wasn't able to until he went into the light of the island and came out the other side as the smoke monster, so I'm also kind of leaning towards no. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my second thing is, given, like, the way the island manipulates, like, Charlie's life and death, like, does the Mm -hmm. island have any kind of, like, precognition of, like, what perhaps could happen if it slotted the right chess pieces into place? Because... To me, it kind of reads like Charlie's destiny was always to die, but Desmond had to watch Charlie die. Mm-hmm. So, right. like Desmond has, or like Charlie has to stay alive long enough to sacrifice himself, and in order for Desmond to watch him die. For yeah. Desmond's storyline, yeah, for yeah, Desmond, that also like, Charlie could feels be. like a pawn. Yeah, Char- Charlie is either a pawn in 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 Jack's story or in Desmond's story, but either way, he's a pawn, which yeah. is so sad. See, I've never actually thought about the island as the actual island. I've always thought about the island as just being Jacob. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm. It's really I'm not hard sure. for me though I've never because I really thought about it like that. I feel like as well, and this is when like the the question of sort of the overall like how much we let the final, yeah. dis- <laughs> like, like solutions color how we view these early episodes because I think when you accept that sort of it was all like basically a play between Jacob and the man in black, like that simplifies a lot of things that I think at this point when they were making up the story were meant to be much larger. And I think for me, Mm -hmm. it's always been really difficult to let go of the idea of the island as a, as a sentient entity, because that's always been what I imagined that it was. Mm -hmm. I think to a certain extent, like that's what I'll always believe. Yeah, exactly. Same. Yeah. And I think it, like I think the right. I think Javi, if we ever had a chance to ask him, he w- might say the same thing that when he was writing it and when they were breaking this in the writers' room, that was what they were sort of thinking at the time. Yeah, because it does take some of the magic away when you find out that it's just like I think two just, dudes, but yeah. yeah, it's a war between <laughs> two dudes, and you're like, well, that's not nearly as interesting as like yeah. an island that has like precognition and has like all of these yeah. crazy fates for people because. As much as Jacob is, like, a godlike figure, I feel like he couldn't do all of this. No, because it's going in and manipulating their specific needs and, like, it's giving and it's taking away and it's sort of, like, like, again, with Locke, it's giving him these wins, but it's also manipulating him in a certain direction to give him a certain path. And it's using Boone as a, as a, as a uh, piece in, 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 in his puzzle, right? And with Jack, it's also manipulating him and feeding him and making him see what he needs to see and making him, guiding him and, and, and giving him that win and in, in re- reviving Charlie. Because Charlie was dead. Like, there yeah. was, this was ridiculous. Like, I'm not saying that he couldn't have brought him back by pounding on his chest, but he was dead. Like, yeah. that it was gone. It was over. And then he came back because of some magical faith-affirming force that the island was trying to impose on Jack and or Charlie had another purpose to play. But definitely there was something going on there that the island was involved with. And, like, Jacob... Makeup, I don't care. Like, that's... I don't don't even want to factor that in here, you know? (laughs) Because it just seems so incongruous. Wait, so... Back... Back in the day, when this was airing for the first time, and season six was airing did you have like an overall unifying theory of like what the island was or what the answers were oh, that's a good question i'm trying to remember i think so i think that there was a part of me that believed that all of the people that were on the island 
that there was some kind of like time loop going on that all of the people's ultimate destinies fed into what had to happen. So it was kind of like a a self-fulfilling prophecy because obviously there were a lot of, of theories at the time believing that Jack and Kate would be the Adam and Eve skeletons mm-hmm. that they found in the that. cave. Yeah. I really subscribed to that because I thought that I, mean, I was like, fit, fit my shipper goggles, but it also <laughs> made a lot of sense. It was also brilliant. <laughs> yeah, right. It was so brilliant. And so I think that with that in mind and having that idea that, that the, the smoke monster could project images from these people's past, like I did have a sort of general thought that all of the people that had lived and died on the island were feeding into the island soul or like force or whatever it was. And it was using that to push them in the direction that they needed to go to end up in the place that they needed to be. And to, in order to repeat the same thing over and over again, you know, like they were living in this, in this loop. Yeah. Like a constant groundhog day. Yeah, exactly. And I I like that theory. Better. I like that theory a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying. Like, as much as, like, I've accepted and, like, I understand the ending, sometimes it always feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity when you hear it something does, really yeah. cool like that. Yeah. Like, for me, it feels like what the actual ending of Battlestar Galactica was supposed to be versus, like, mm-hmm. what we actually yeah. got is I yeah. always wish for that alternate ending. Mm-hmm. But I, but I, and I just think, and I, I agree, I think that the, the ending of Lost, I mean, it was, it was satisfying in so many ways but it also was kind of way too neat bow to tie on a story mm. that had been so incredibly complicated and i think the same i think the, the the very fact that it tried to answer things in such a like logical way and then turned around and was like yeah and then they all died and then here's how they were happy in the afterlife the end i was like yes but but the past, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, but the island, though. All like, of the weird, some, like, time exactly. travel stuff, though. Yeah, there was some central thing. Like, by, by pushing them all, like, like, we're making the end of all these people about something other than their relationship to the island was the thing that, that disappointed me the most because that I had always felt like this, the show was about these people's relationship to this semi-sentient place and like i think that also really supports especially when it comes to like a lot of like the twisty turvy science stuff that the island is far more special than just being an island that like jacob and the man in black play on because yeah yeah. i think one of the one of the my favorite universe rules from doctor who is that when a paradox happens or someone crosses their own timeline like it will try and fix itself but on the island multiple timelines are allowed to collide together without like any like universe consequences in ways that like you know don't rip apart the fabric of the universe so like the the island has to be a special place in order Mm -hmm. to sustain Mm -hmm. that kind of science fiction yeah just really love the island but i also (laughs) i'm afraid of it (laughs) i'm so i would be so afraid if i wound up on that island oh my god i know um should we do our outro and finish it up yeah sure i guess so you don't you don't want to hear my theory of how Locke is basically just Jaha and, and Kane all wrapped up. Oh my god, no, I want to hear that, that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear that, like, right now. Uh, Selena, thank you so much for coming on this episode. We're so excited to have you next week, too. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> Where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Hypable.com, which is H-Y-P-A-B-L-E.com. I also do my own podcast for Hypable called Hype. Uh, which is on Twitter at Hypeable Hype. And I am on Twitter at Selena Wilkin. And if you 
did not think that I spoke too much in this episode, then you'll really enjoy my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. Uh, pretty much everywhere. And yeah, you didn't, you almost didn't say pretty much yeah, everywhere. I, almost I was forgot. like, Robin, you didn't finish. <laughs> eh. um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow at the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, but mostly just Twitter. If you actually want to talk to us, you should probably just talk to us personally, honestly. <laughs> and um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash People have been asking us about uh, other shows that we're planning on doing, and we can't do them without more money, to be honest. <laughs> because SoundCloud's so. expensive. SoundCloud's expensive. So if you really want to see another show like Battlestar Galactica, which is what we're planning on doing next, um, we could really use your help. I'm probably just, like, low-key just going to pay for that myself so that I have an excuse to talk about Battlestar Galactica for <laughs> how many episodes? A <laughs> hundred episodes? Like, that's my show, man. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica is my lost. Perfect. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. I think you guys are pretty great. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you well enough. <laughs>